money, deals, tribal knowledge, resources, training, coaching, partnering. We are Texas's largest real estate investor association at texasstarterkit.com. My name is Shanoa Grove. Welcome to the show. All right, welcome everybody to the Texas RIAs. And uh, I'm Phil Grove. Uh, I'm the co-founder of Texas RIAs, the largest real estate investor network in the state of Texas. It's actually a series of real estate investor associations across Texas, Austin, Dallas, Houston, San Antonio. At this point, we're close to 100,000 members. And we're going to go through a lot of presentations tonight, including uh, a market update to kind of bring everybody up to speed on what's going on in the market. And this is kind of a summary. So let me, I'm actually going to jump over to this slide, which I think maybe is easier to read, of kind of what's going on in Texas. And then we'll talk about kind of what's going on in some of the individual uh, cities. Oops, I need to put the right slide up. There we go. So what's going on in Texas? Well, um, the first thing you're going to notice is that uh, sales uh, are um, <clears throat> up a little bit, interestingly enough. The average sales price, people like the market's down. Uh, actually, the average sales price uh, year over year is up 1.6%. Uh, so yeah, the market has certainly settled and it's not overheated like it was for the last several years. Uh, but um, it's not really going down, it's not really going up, it's kind of going sideways. Now, the median price is down a little bit. What is that? 1.4%. So almost no difference uh, at all between the average and the median uh, average sales price. You know, what's really happening is like we have inflation, right? And what does inflation do to real estate prices? What does it do? Does it make them go up or make them go down? What do you think? Go up, go down. It does both. You're right. It does both, right? So, so for example... Um, what's going on? Uh, you know, it, it's a little more expensive to, to buy houses. Interest rates are up compared to the last several years. And as a result, uh, you know, they're a little less affordable, or maybe for some people a lot less affordable. So there's less buyers. And I'm going to tell you, real estate, you got to understand, it doesn't really care much about the economy, interestingly enough. It doesn't even care that much about interest rate. What real estate cares about is supply and demand. That's all it is. Pure economic supply and demand. So for example, during the Great Depression, the Great Depression, real estate prices went down a whopping 6%. Nothing. Right? During the Great Pandemic, we just went through the Great Pandemic, another one in a 100-year event, uh, real estate prices went up 30%. Well, obviously, it wasn't the economy that made the real estate prices go up or down. It was supply and demand. Right? So right now, uh, we have inflation. Inflation's got its interest rates to go up. Right? With interest rates going up, loans are less affordable. Uh, so properties are less affordable for the payments, and that's reduced the number of buyers. So the demand's gone down. But the other side of the coin is the supply has gone down. And the reason the supply has gone down is because there's all these people who have been buying houses for the last several years with three or four or five percent mortgages and they don't want to let go. They're like, man, if I sell my house and buy a new house, I'm going to get like a seven and a half percent mortgage and I'm going to lose my three percent or three and a half percent mortgage. So, so the, the sellers aren't selling. And if you look at resale properties, 
resale properties are in the tank. There's just the inventories. There's just nobody selling, reselling their house. I mean, some people are, but I'm, the, the the number of resale properties is way down. Now, what's filling the gap? Uh, new new construction is filling the gap. So new construction sales are way up, while resale properties are way down, and it has to do with what happened with interest rate. Now, interestingly enough, right, builders are not able to get more money to continue to build. Right, so construction is slowing down, which curtails the supply, which will create a housing shortage. Why? Because people are still moving to Texas and still having babies. Okay, so you put all that in the blender, and what's happening? And the answer is not a whole lot. And what do we think is going to happen next? Well, nobody knows what's going to happen next, but there's no major things that are driving the market to go dramatically higher, dramatically lower. The market's kind of being driven like that. Right? And 2008 was a completely different situation. Uh, up until 2008, we had subprime lending. Right? If you wanted to get a loan, you walked into a bank and you said, I want a loan. A banker would walk up, they'd hold a mirror under your nose. If they saw fog, you got a loan. That was the loan application they used back in 2007. And then in 2008, all the banks went bankrupt. You know, the government actually changed the definition of bankruptcy in 2008. Remember that? Mark to market, that whole thing. They all went bankrupt. They just called it something different. They got bailed out. And eventually, they got back into the lending business. But um, what happened in 2008 is lending stopped. It didn't slow down. It hit a wall. It just stopped. Okay, And, and so all of a sudden, you couldn't buy a house because you couldn't get a loan because the banks were all like, oh, we're not loaning anything. We're bankrupt. We don't have any more money or whatever. Right, and, and we had this huge glut of supply, free money, building houses by the gazillions, uh, and then the demand just stopped like that because of that very unique situation with the subprime lending crashing. And then, of course, real estate crashed uh, after that. So that's what happened in 2008. This is a completely different market. There's not even anything resembling. We haven't had uh, you know, easy to get money, although it's been cheap money. Uh, but because it wasn't super easy, we don't have a huge... Uh, surplus of uh, supply, although we have decent supply. Uh, you know, this is what's happening to prices, and consequently, you boil it all together, and real estate is kind of flat, uh, not uh, dramatically different, down a little bit. Uh, days on market. Uh, days on market is the average number of days it takes to sell. Uh, for I'm sorry, a, a house that sold uh, took to sell. Uh, and uh, it's up a little bit, 47 versus 25. But I think the more interesting and important data is this point here, inventory, months of inventory. Months of inventory means if you just, if you stopped putting any more houses for sale, you're just, the only houses we're ever going to sell are the houses that are for sale right now, how many months before we're out? And the answer is 3.3 uh, uh, months. Um, Okay, so what does that mean? It means that that means on average it takes 3.3 months to sell a house. That's what it means. Uh, now, here's the thing. They say if there's less than six months of inventory, you have a seller's market. If there's more than six months of inventory, you have a buyer's market. If there's right around six months of inventory, you have a neutral market. We still have a very strong seller's market when you measure it by inventory. Now, different properties in different locations at different price points. Inventory is very local. It's like almost street by street. But on a statewide basis, it's like three months of inventory. That's nothing. That's really not much inventory. 
pending sales, uh, yeah, what is it? Uh, it's a little different. What is that? It's uh, uh, down a little, not much. Uh, total active, uh, well, you know, when inventory goes up, uh, the number of actives goes up as well. So, you know, when you look back at uh, the last few years, in, in 2021, uh, right, prices went up 18%. Uh, 2022, uh, you know, prices went up another 10%. And uh, now, if you, depending on which uh, average you look at, prices are down uh, 1%. So we had a great ride, and now it's kind of settling out. Uh, and that's kind of where we are right now. Okay, so what's going to happen going forward? I don't think a whole lot. You know, again, there's forces pushing up and there's forces pushing down. Uh, nobody can tell the future, and I'm not going to try to tell you that I can tell the future. But I will say real estate is, I would argue, easier to predict than other things, like the stock market. Who knows? It could go down 10,000 points tomorrow. It could go up 10. I mean, who knows? The economy, who knows? Real estate, not as hard. And the reason it's not as hard is because it's supply and demand. We actually know exactly how many people are having babies. We know how many people are moving to Texas. We know how many people need a house to live in. We, we know that. We even know how many houses we're building. So we know exactly what the supply is and exactly what the demand is. And you can actually forecast that out several months with great accuracy because it doesn't change suddenly. So based on that forecast, we don't really expect anything dramatically to happen. Now, nuclear bomb from North Korea, you know, hits, uh, you know, that could change the situation uh, quickly. Diving into the different cities, uh, Dallas, what's going on in Dallas? Average sales price, 518000 uh, up 1%. Median price, uh, 415 down 1%. You know, Dallas is, in many ways, for a lot of different interesting reasons, kind of the bellwether of Texas. Uh, Dallas tends to be the first place where things change, and for whatever reason, it's always been that way. Days on market, very similar to the statewide numbers. Uh, you know, up a little bit, uh, but uh, months of inventory. Look, this is hot. 2.6 months of inventory in Dallas. That's actually hotter than the state of market, uh, state of Texas. Uh, that's actually crazy uh, strong market by, by uh, inventory standards. Uh, total active listings is up a little bit, but not much, right? 1% uh, and, you know, the same numbers as before. Right, 2021 up 20%, 2022 up another 15%. This year kind of leveled off and down maybe 1%. Now, for some people, it feels a little different, right? You know, a couple of years ago, you put a house on the market, you have multiple offers, and, and, and they would end up selling for above even the list price. Now they're selling just below the list price, takes a little longer, and it's just a perspective. You know, somebody said earlier, interest rates are high. And I said, what do you mean interest rates are high? Interest rates are normal, you know? Because when I started investing in real estate, right, interest rates were 7.5%, and that's what they are again. So we're back to normal, right? <laughs> it's just like, but if you were just investing for the last few years, interest rates are high compared to just uh, a few years uh, ago. So depending on kind of how long you've been looking at this, you, you're going to have a different perspective. San Antonio, the most affordable uh, city of the big cities in Texas, uh, average price uh, 387 flat. Uh, median price down a little bit, 329, down 2%. Days on market's gone up a little bit, 57 days. Months of inventory a little higher, 
3.8, but it's still technically a seller's market. Pending sales is down about 18%. Uh, active listings with the inventory is up a little bit. Uh, San Antonio did not get the biggest run up as some of the other cities did. Uh, but uh, it is, like I said, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of Texas investors uh, like to get started in San Antonio because it's just a more affordable, cheaper rentals. A uh, little bit of ca better cash flow per dollar rental owned. Uh, and, you know, cheaper to do fixes and flips. Uh, Austin, uh, the average sales price in Austin is, what is that, 593000 Is that what that says? Holy cow. Yeah, that's not a typo, folks. Yeah, we were doing a little research on where the name Austin came from. Turns out that Austin is actually Latin for San Francisco. Yeah. <laughs> so Austin has turned into the San Francisco uh, of Texas, driven by uh, high tech, and uh, it's had quite a ride. Look at this. In 2021, uh, prices of rental properties in Austin went up. You got it, almost 30% in one year. Next year, they went up another 10%. And this year, they're down 10%. So what's interesting, bigger run up, bigger run down, right? That's what happened in Austin. But in terms of it leveling it out over the same last three years, it's about the same as Dallas. Just went up a little higher and came down a little faster. Uh, this market has had the biggest growth in inventory, 3.7 months of inventory, but still pretty decent market. Uh, you know, pending sales are up a little bit. That's actually a little bit of a surprise. That was different last month. Uh, active uh, uh, listings is actually up, and that's what you would expect when the inventory goes up. The active listings go up. Uh, Houston just rounded out average sales price for 28, up half a percent. Uh, median price down 2.5%. Uh, Deja market a little higher. Months of inventory, 32 uh, pending sales up a little, active uh, listings up uh, a little. So that is what's going on in the Texas marketplace in all the major cities. And I'm actually going to switch gears here and move into our next presentation. So let me find our next presentation and um, get this one started as well. <clears throat> so welcome again to the Texas RIAs. Uh, we're going to do a little training now. We're going to talk about investing strategies. In fact, we're going to talk about what I call the top 12 strategies uh, to get started in today's Texas market. Uh, this presentation is sponsored by the Texas RIAs. We're also simulcasting online. If you are watching on GoToWebinar, you are live. If you are on Instagram, Twitch, YouTube, Facebook Live, or podcast, you may or may not be live. But if you'd like to come and join us at a live future meeting, just go to Texas RIAs dot com forward slash live. So what is Texas Rias? Texas Rias is the largest by far network of real estate investor associations across the great state of Texas. So why do you care and why does that even matter? Well, the reason it matters is because real estate is local. Laws are local. Contracts are local. Contractors are local. Buyers and sellers are local. Houses are local. There's 30,000 YouTube videos that talk about how to make money investing in real estate. They all talk about how to do it anywhere. Well, how to do it anywhere is how to do it at 30,000 feet. But real estate is not actually bought and sold at 30,000 feet. Real estate is actually bought and sold at zero feet. So if you want to know what laws apply here, which contracts to use here, which neighborhoods to invest in here, which contractors to hire here, where do you get that? You get that at your local real estate investor association. And my job tonight is to make you all into educated and contributing members. 
of this community. So why am I here? Well, I do appreciate the opportunity to speak with you guys tonight. Your time is valuable. I'm going to repay you for your valuable time by sharing some very valuable training and some more information with you. Tell you a little bit about my own story. 2013, I went from working in a nine-to-five job that by then I hated to eventually making over a million dollars a year investing in real estate. I've been doing that for now 20 years. Uh, I've invested in commercial and residential and active and passive. I own about $30 million worth of rental properties, mostly free and clear. I flipped over 1,200 houses. I've invested over $300 million of commercial real estate. I've taught about 100,000 people, mostly in Texas, how to invest in real estate. And I'm what's called a full cycle investor. And a full cycle investor is somebody who's been doing it for a long time and has the perspective of high interest rates, low interest rates, and up markets and down markets and sideways markets. We've invested through credit booms and credit busts and hurricanes and pandemics and man, a little more interest is no big deal. So over the next maybe up to 90 minutes, I'm going to teach you a little bit, tell you what I learned, uh, tell you what I did right. I'm also going to tell you what I did wrong because the best way to learn is not from your mistakes. It's from what? Other people's mistakes. Yeah. Experience is the toughest teacher there is. You get the test first and then you get the lesson after. Trust me, that's not how you want to learn real estate. You don't want to learn real estate from trial and error. So we're going to share a little tribal knowledge and encourage you to participate as well. So what are we going to learn today? How about nine different strategies to make money in big chunks? Sounds good, doesn't it? But I'm not here to sound good. I'm here to teach you. So one of the things I want to teach you is the beauty of real estate is that it scales. It's a scalable business. What does that mean? Most, most people make money working in a job. The problem with a job is a job is fundamentally an exchange of time for money. That's a job. The reason you can't get wealthy in a job is there's only so much time. You can exchange so many hours in your week, month, year, literally only so many hours left of you of the rest of your life that you can exchange, right, working in a job. But real estate, on the other hand, is transaction-based. And what that means is you do this, 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 you get a check, you do this, this, this again, you get another check. And you can leverage other people's time and money and resources and knowledge. And by leveraging other people's time, money, resource, knowledge, there's literally no limit to the number of transactions that you can do, which means there's literally no limit to the amount of money that you can make. And that's the beauty of real estate. So talking about scale, for example, I'm going to teach you several strategies that allow you to buy real estate even with no money, no credit. And I got to tell you, this is really important to know because nobody has enough money to actually be a real estate investor. I hope you know that. None of you have enough money to do this. I don't have enough money. Donald Trump doesn't have enough money to be a real estate investor. I don't care what you have, not even close. You got a half a million dollars in your checking account? Great. Good for you. Go buy a house. Okay, now you're done. <laughs> yep, that was it. Can't buy another house until you sell that house. No, you have to be prepared to buy any property at any price at any time. The deal of a lifetime could show up for you tomorrow. So you better be comfortable using other people's money. Now you're going to have to pay them for the money. That's okay. The deal pays them for the money. But by leveraging other people's time and money and, and experience of resources, it scales this business up. It allows you to do a lot of deals, which means make potentially an infinite amount of money. And I'm even going to teach you several ways to do this, even with no money and even with no credit. How about how to turn even a small IRA into millions of dollars tax-free? I'm going to demonstrate that. I think you're going to be impressed. 
How about how to acquire $10 million in rental properties with little or no money and no credit? My wife and I own $30 million worth of houses here in Texas. Now, if I wanted to buy $30 million worth of houses traditionally, I mean, think about it. I'd have to put down 20% every time I bought a house. I'd have to be a multi, 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 multi-millionaire just to become a millionaire. Well, I wasn't a millionaire when I started investing in real estate. So then how was I able to acquire a portfolio of $30 million worth of houses? Well, I had to learn a different way to acquire houses. I had to learn how to acquire houses even with little or no money and no credit. And I'm going to teach you that trick as well. And I think you're going to like that trick a lot because that's probably my very best trick. Okay, great. So then how come everybody doesn't make a million dollars a year investing in real estate? Well, there are some problems. So what are the problems? Fear is a big problem. A lot of people are just afraid to do it. I was scared to death. I was literally sitting in this room 20 years ago. I'm afraid I'm going to lose money. I'm going to have to fill out a contract. Fear paralyzes a lot of people right at the starting blocks. Next problem, finding deals. Good deals are hard to find. Anybody that says good deals are easy to find is either a liar or a fool. The hardest thing about this business is finding the deals. Uh, Well, I'm going to teach you where to find them. It's probably not where you think. Uh, And then doing deals. Uh, What I love most about being a real estate investor, so many ways to do it. I'm going to teach you a whole bunch of different ways to do this, stuff you're not going to learn watching YouTube or HGTV. So for most people, these are the problems. And honestly, most people never get past these problems. But here's the really good news. This is exactly what real estate investor associations are set up to do. Local, deeply rooted, long-standing communities of real estate investors sharing tribal knowledge, sharing resources, working together, and helping people get started investing in real estate. So I'm going to help you get past all of these things exactly the same way that the RIA helped me when I was sitting in these same chairs 20 years ago. Okay, Uh, disclaimer. Let me take a deep breath for this. The subject matters for educational purposes only. We are not lawyers, CPAs, financial planners, etc. You should always have your contracts, taxes, business plans, etc. reviewed by an attorney and or financial advisor before completing any real estate transactions. Government regulations also require that I disclose that the results that I discuss are not typical results. I am an action taker, and I have achieved remarkable results, and the investors I talk about are action takers and not your typical average people. I believe average people don't take any action and therefore get zero results. Only you can decide if you're going to be a typical average person or an above-average action taker. You know, here in Texas, we have a special saying that kind of sums a lot of that up. And the saying is, all hat and no cattle. Anybody here from Texas? Yeah. So what does that mean? Everybody says they're going to roll up their sleeves. Everybody says they're going to go out and take action. But at the end of the day, most people go out and do what? Nothing. Probably heard of the 80-20 rule. 20% of the people make most of the money in the world. I think in real estate investing, it's more like the 95-5 rule. 5% of people invest in real estate. But the ones that invest in real estate, they don't just make money, they make gobs of money. Incredible amounts of money. Do you know that almost 80% of the millionaires in this country got there all or in part through investing in real estate? I mean, think about that. Let me translate that. It's really hard to become a millionaire not investing in real estate. But you can't be all hat and no cattle. You do have to roll up your sleeves. You do have to do something, right? Take action. Like, how many of you have owned a house over the last three years? Who's owned a house over the last three years? Raise your hand. Nice. You're a lot richer than you were before, aren't you? What if you had five? What if you had 25? 
What if you had 200 and other people were paying off the mortgages for you, right? How much richer would you be? Can't go back. You can do anything you want going forward. So fear, let's talk about fear for a minute. If this seems a little scary, I get it. I can relate uh, and I can help. In fact, we've had so many people in this network that we've helped become real estate investors, have become millionaires, multimillionaires, we actually now sponsor a show where every single week we interview one of you. And we call the show Houses Flipping People. Get it? Most of the shows are about people flipping houses. Well, this is people flipping houses, but it's also Houses Flipping People because it's about people whose lives got transformed from becoming real estate investors. And we actually have the host of the show here tonight. Uh, Olivia, thank you for uh, coming. If you could uh, maybe come up here and join us. Yes. And I uh, want to tell people about the show, encourage people, go watch it. It's encouraging. It's uh, entertaining. It's educational. Uh, and every week we interview somebody who's typically now a millionaire or multimillionaire. So I don't know anybody in the world who can point to somebody once a week. I turn that person into a millionaire, 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 millionaire. I literally do that every week through this show. Go check it out for yourself. So I'll tell you a few stories. Uh, Flavia, uh, single mom, had a bakery. Pandemic happens, loses the bakery. She's like, oh, crap, I need to feed my kids, right? I need to make money doing something new. Can you teach me how to flip houses? Taught her how to flip houses. Uh, flipped 15 houses in her very first year. She's never going back to the bakery. Uh, Jeff came to us and said, I had a bad week last week. Uh, last week, I got a, a divorce and I got fired. The same week, bad week. Uh, so I need, some, I need to do something different with my life plan. I said, no problem. We'll teach you how to flip houses. Made half a million dollars in his very first year as a real estate investor. And I'm going to tell you, he's never going back to that job uh, or that wife. Um, <laughs> Mike and Vanessa, uh, you know, men do get better looking with wealth. I'm just saying, okay, that's a, that's a, <laughs> Mike and Vanessa, uh, contractors, uh, general contractors. Somebody asked a question about general contractors. They, they fixed houses up for me and other people in the network. And they noticed after fixing up a bunch of our houses, or they, they noticed that they're doing all the work and we're making all the money. That, that's, that's their conclusion. So they came to me and they said, can you teach me, can you teach us uh, how to be the investor, not just the contractor? So I taught them how to be the investor. And uh, in their very first year as real estate investors, they only, they only did one fix and flip. They only got one deal done. Um, Olivia, how much money again did they make on that one deal? Only $2 million. Only $2 million. That's the net profit. So if you're only going to do one fix and flip, a year, how about you make an extra $2 million, right? They bought a property for 975000 tore it down to the size, completely rebuilt it. It was obviously a fantastic neighborhood. Sold it for $5.7 million, 100% financed uh, with this network. We have over 1,000 private money lenders in this network. Private money is cheaper, faster, better, more reliable than hard money or any other kind of money. Uh, sold it for $5.7 million, net after all expense and money and everything else. Uh, $2 million. So if you're only going to do one project a year, an extra $2 million, uh, not bad. And uh, during the interview, they showed the house, cool house. So go watch the episode. You get to see the house. It has a little turnstile. You actually pull it in the garage and that turns your car around, which is really super cool. And um, they said they're working on 16 more. So I think this year is going to be better than last. So uh, Olivia, what, what can you tell people about the show? 
So uh, the show is about, not just about the house, because there's a lot of shows about the house. So I'm more interested in about their story, their journey, their why they wanted, and why did they became even a real estate investor. Because when I became a real estate investor, I didn't just transform my life, but I transformed everyone that was surrounding me, my kids, my family, my contractor, everybody that actually worked with me. And that's when I realized how many investors out there that we don't know their stories? And there's thousands of other people that want to become an investor and wants to improve. So, so that's I'll, how... I'll tell a few, a few more stories. Like uh, Huberto, engineering student. Pretty busy, right? Side hustle, doing a little real estate on the side. As a side hustle, as a full-time engineering student, made $300,000 on a fix and flip. Not bad for a side hustle for a kid in college. But that wasn't the most of it during the interview. Olivia said, Huberto, are you working on any other projects? And he says, yeah, I actually have 24 other fix and flips I'm doing as my side hustle. Not bad. Uh, Chris came to us. She did something pretty smart. So let's talk about what she did. She partnered on her first deal. So most people, when they get started investing in real estate, they watch some YouTube videos. They, uh, you know, they, they, they watch some HGTV. They're like, honey, let's go flip a house. They try to figure it out. Sometimes they do it right. Sometimes they do it wrong. Sometimes they make money. Sometimes they don't. Well, here's like another idea when you're getting started. Why not, instead of all that, why not maybe partner with somebody who's maybe done hundreds of deals before, leverage their experience, their teams, their money, learn how to do it the right way, and then split the profits. Now, I know what everybody's thinking, because everybody always says the same thing. Well, that doesn't make any sense. Why would a multimillionaire real estate investor want to partner with a rookie? Why would they do that? Well, look, here's a fact of life. I'm going to give you all a fact of life. If you ever want to do business with someone operating at a higher business stature than you, you're going to have to help them before they help you. That's just how life works. I'm sorry, that's life. So what could you possibly do to help a multimillionaire real estate investor bring them a money-making deal? And that's exactly what Chris brought to me. So she brings me this deal. She says, what do you think of this deal? I said, that's a money-making deal. Then she said, would you partner on the deal with me? I said, for half the profits, heck yes. I get half the profits. She did the work, right? She used my money and my team. Uh, she learned how to do it right. That's a win-win, right? And she's done many, many deals since then. Carlos, petroleum engineer, got burned out of his job, taught him how to flip houses, flipped 100 houses, quit his job long ago. Elizabeth, marketing executive down in San Antonio, uh, is tired of that, uh, taught her how to flip houses. Uh, during the interview, Olivia's kind of asking her about her life and her journey and her story. So like, how much money did you make from what Phil taught you? And she's like, well, I don't know exactly, but I got $6.7 million in my bank right now. Not bad. Buddy uh, was an insurance adjuster at State Farm and burned out, tired of that. Taught him how to flip houses. Flipped 150 houses, not like one or two, 150 houses, a lot of new construction. Uh, car salesman flipped 60 houses. Eddie uh, came to us from uh, L.A. He was a film producer. And he started a family. He said, I don't want to raise my family in L.A. I don't like the culture there. I want to raise my family in Texas. So he moves to Texas, but he's got a problem. We're not making a bunch of films here in Texas. So now he's got to make money doing something, right, to pay for that family. So he's like, can you teach me how to flip houses? I taught him how to flip houses, flipped over 100 houses. Uh, and during the interview, Olivia's kind of talking to Eddie. He said, so Eddie, how much money have you made doing this? And he just says, I've made a lot of money. And Olivia's like not giving up. She's like, come on, like, what does that mean? Like, like can you give us a number, just like something? He's like, well, 
I can tell you I'm now worth more than $10 million. So not bad for a film producer working on a plan B. We have firefighters, we have airline pilots, we have flight attendants, we have Dallas Cowboy football players, we have rocket scientist engineers, we have people from all walks of life. And every week we interview one of them and we tell their story. And Olivia, you have kind of a story of your own because you're also a real estate investor. Can you share kind of how you got started and how this network was able to help you invest in real estate? Yeah, so I came into this meeting with not knowing anything about real estate investing. Uh, I was a guest and I was just passing by. I didn't really was really invited. I was just passing by. And uh, that's when I realized, like, wow, this guy sounds good. But at that time, I was going through a divorce. I didn't have any money. And I told Phil, um, I need to go put my life together and then come back in. And then I will start doing the real estate investing. And then he like, hold on a second. You can, you are in the right place. Don't run away. Uh, I can help you. I have many strategies that I can teach you how to start to become a real estate investor with no money. Because I told him I have no money. I had $50,000 on my credit cards in red at that time. My credit your, score. Your negative money. Yes. <laughs> uh, my credit score was low as it can be. So I couldn't even rent an apartment at the time. And I was going through a divorce. So it was one of the hardest parts in my life at that time. Uh, growing up, born and raised in Brazil, in the middle of the Amazon with no electricity. I like to say organic as it can be. Uh, so my family didn't have any education whatsoever when it comes to real estate investor. I did trust that I came to the three-day workshop that he'll probably going to invite you guys here we, we soon. We do training here at the network. Yes. And uh, so I did took the opportunity. Uh, I did have time on my calendar. Uh, and I came. And that is really when it transformed my life because I never left. And that's why I'm here today. Uh, so, so we taught you several different ways to yes. find a deal. Some take money. Some take no money. Yes. You didn't have any money. So you, I said, do the free ones, right? So yes. what did you do to find your first deal? Uh, okay. I went door knocking. I love high heels. I was broke as it can be the day that I came, but I'm sure I was on high heels. Uh, but one of the strategies that Phil teach is actually door knocking. And I actually went door knocking in Houston. And I got a house under contract, and that house I knocked on the door, read a script, talked to the guy, yeah. got him to sign a contract. And yes. Then go ahead. And I made ten thousand dollars for that particular deal. So I did the wholesale that deal. Yeah. So you sold her, to, uh, her contract to another member of the network that had money for ten thousand dollars. Yes. And when you got that check for $10,000, what did you think? How many more doors can I go door knock? <laughs> so, uh, so I door knock hundreds of doors, you yeah. name it. And I got many, many deals through door knocking and so many other markets since I became a real estate investor myself now. And, uh, moving forward, uh, all my credit cards paid off. Um, I own buy and hold. I have uh, fix and flip. I actually bought my house as a subject to in Austin, Texas, in Westlake. If anyone is familiar, it's one of the the best zip code. That's where my boys go to school today. The best school? Yes. In Central Texas, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, so I'm very pleased to be able to be sharing my journey and everybody else that I interview on the show because it's not just making money. We do help ourselves and everyone that is around us. And uh, I can say that I'm not daydreaming the American dream. I'm actually living the American dream because we live in the United States. So if anyone does not live in the American dream because they are making excuses, they are not working and getting the train that is available for you right now and it's free. So you are in the right place. So right. that's it. All right. Well, thank you for sharing your story. I do appreciate it. 
so I think the takeaway from that is it's just a lot less scary to do this when you're doing it with other people, especially local people through partnering and collaboration. So that's one of the ways we help people get past the fear to get started investing in real estate. So let's go ahead and jump in. Um, a little bit more about my story. My first real estate deal was actually on December 15, 2003. That's the day I did my very first flip and involved in about 1,200 since then. These are some of the properties that I made money on. I'm not going to go through all of them because that would take a little time. But I do approximately a real estate transaction a week. In some shape, form, variety, or another, I do approximately a real estate transaction a week. And what that does is it creates money in big chunks. Now, that sounds cool, right? Money in big chunks. But what does that actually mean? Well, the way this business works is as follows. Fundamentally, here's how the business works. We do things to get people with problems to call us. So like what kind of problems? They have a house they don't want, a mortgage they can't afford. Problems to entrepreneurs are what? Opportunities. Big problems are what? Big opportunities. So if you're thinking like, I don't want any problem, you're thinking, I don't want to be an entrepreneur. I don't, I don't care what kind of entrepreneur you want to be. All entrepreneurs share that with all other entrepreneurs. They, they solve problems. We are real estate entrepreneurs, real estate investors. So let's get specific. I'll get through through specific examples. Uh, I found somebody facing foreclosure, big problem, and I gave them an out, an alternative to foreclosure, something called a short sale that allowed them to sell their house for less than the amount of money they owed. Uh, and I made $16,000 helping somebody solve a problem. Uh, REO, real estate owned, bank owned property. Banks do not want to own real estate. So I took it off the bank's hands, solving the bank's problem. I flipped it, made $36,000. Guy had a legal problem. My court order had to sell a house by Friday. A realtor cannot sell a house by Friday. I can buy a house by Friday. Uh, I made 5000 bucks. Got a property subject to my, my specialty. No money, no credit. Flipped it. Made 68000 5600 on an assignment. $6,000 on a mortgage assignment. $10,000 on a wholesale. $2,800 on a small referral. $12,400 for a large referral. The way this business fundamentally works is as follows. We do things to get people with problems to call us. And then here's the really beautiful part. For every problem that exists, for every person that exists, for every house that exists, we have a strategy that helps them. It's about helping people, solves their problem, solves their need, and gets us paid. We can help motivated sellers. We can help non-motivated sellers. We can help people that own their houses free and clear. We can help people that are hopelessly underwater, where they owe more money and the house is even worth. We can help them. We can solve their problem, need, we get ourselves paid. Sometimes we get singles, sometimes we get doubles, sometimes we get home runs. Sometimes I work on a lead, a deal, an opportunity, a problem for six months, and after six months I make $5,000. And I'm like, oh man, six months, $5,000? I could have made more money working at Walmart. Thank goodness I'm not working on just one lead at a time. Now sometimes my phone rings and that phone call makes me $55,000 in 48 hours. And I'm like, oh man, I wish every time my phone rang I made $55,000 in 48 hours. But that's not how it works either. That's maybe one in a hundred phone calls. So the question to ask yourself is simple. How often do you get a hundred phone calls? Well, that depends on you and how much marketing that you do, how much looking that you do. Do you get a hundred phone calls every week? Do you get a hundred phone calls every month? Do you look at a hundred deals every year? Well, that depends on you and how much marketing that you do. 
So there's two essential skills you have to learn to be a real estate investor. I'm going to teach you these skills right now. The first and foremost skill is marketing. Marketing is finding the deal or generating the lead. You need to spend 85% of your time and money finding the deal, generating the lead. Outsource everything else. The next skill we have to learn is strategy. Strategy is the product and service that we offer. We buy houses. We help people sell houses, get rid of houses and mortgages they don't want or can't afford. We do that in a variety of different ways. It solves a variety of different problems. So marketing and strategy, finding deals, doing deals, finding problems, solving problems. We use 65 different tested, proven methods of finding off-market wholesale properties. I'm going to show you what those are. We use a dozen different strategies to help people solve their problems and get ourselves paid. Over half of the marketing methods, by the way, are completely free. And nine of the 12 investing strategies are actually no money, no credit strategies. And when you learn how to buy houses with no money and no credit, then how many houses can you buy? All of them. How many houses would you like to buy? All of them. All right, so marketing strategy, finding deals, doing deals, finding problems, solving problems. Let us get started with the marketing. Oh, actually, first I'm going to tell you a quick story. This was the very first house that I flipped on December 15, 2003. And I'll tell you a little story about this. On December 14, 2003, I was scared to death. I was actually being coached and mentored by the guys who ran the Real Estate Investor Association back then. I called both of them on the phone. On December 14, 2003, I'm scared. Are you guys sure this is going to work? I don't want to lose any money. Yeah, it took two seasoned, experienced real estate investors pulling me, kicking and screaming over the starting blocks to get me to do that very first deal. So if you're a little scared, I get it. I can relate and I can help. But I actually had one other thing that was motivating me to move forward at that time in my life. I was in a job I no longer loved and a career I no longer loved. And I got to tell you, if you're spending your time doing something you don't love doing, you need to do something different with your life plan. And that's where I was. I needed a different life. Man, you get one life and it just rolls by. I woke up the other day and I noticed there's a 14-year-old boy running around in my house. It's like, how did that happen? I had a baby. Now I have a 14-year-old. I have a teenager. I mean, it's like crazy. It just goes right by. And if you're not on a trajectory to living the life you want, if you're not reaching your God-given potential, then maybe you need a do something different with your life plan. So I needed a different life. So let me tell you a little bit more about the first deal. The first deal in so many ways is your most important deal. Everything changes at that second. Like Olivia was talking about, like as soon as you got that check, right? It's like your whole mindset changed. Everything changes, right? So the first deal. Uh, I'll tell you about mine. It took me six months to find my first deal. I was actually an unusually slow starter. I was actually a really slow starter. Got it under contract using a contract I got right here at the RIA. We have all kinds of resources here. Bought it using OPM, other people's money, private money. Private money is cheaper, faster, better than hard money, any other kind of money, more reliable, but you got to know it. All right, got a contractor right here at the RIA to fix it up. Somebody's asking, well, where do you get contractors? Here. Right, got a realtor here at the RIA to sell it for me. Got an attorney and title company right here at the RIA to close it for me. And I went to that very first closing and I picked up that very first check for $15,384.16. And when they handed me that check, it was like you unscrewed the cap, popped out the old brain and popped in the new brain. Because right up until the second that they handed me that check, I was a real estate investor based on theory. 
And I wasn't even sure I believed the theory. I don't know if this is going to work, not sure about that, don't know about this. But the second they handed me that check like a switch flipping, I became a real estate investor based on experience. And what I realized when they handed me that check is if I did this and this and this again, I get another check, right? It worked the first time. And if I did this, this, and this again, I get another check. If I did this, this, and this again, I get another check. But the really big deal that I realized at that moment, at that moment, I realized that I would never, ever, 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 ever for the rest of my life, ever have to work for somebody else. Ever, never, ever, ever, ever again. And I haven't worked for anybody else even for one second since they handed me that check. So if you're new and you're just getting started, here's my first piece of advice. You need to focus like a laser beam on that very first deal because that very first deal will change your life, mostly by changing your mindset. It's like Olivia, she said, I got the 10 thing. As soon as she got the 10K, it's like, it's on. Like, how many more doors can I knock on? Right? I knocked on 38 doors. I got $10,000. Okay, rinse and repeat. And that's how it works. So I told you I was going to tell you what I did right, but I'm also going to tell you what I did wrong. I did make one big rookie mistake right out of the chute on that very first deal. I, I, I spent all that time finding the deal. I found the deal, right? And as soon as I found the deal, I kind of put my market on hold. I picked up some handers, some, started managing some contractors, working on that deal, finished the deal, right? Got the check, only to wake up the next day and realize I had absolutely nothing to do. Well, except start the whole business all over again. And this gets me to my very first takeaway. And here it is. And this is the big one. The business of being a real estate investor is the business of finding deals. It's all about finding deals. Why? Because you make the money on the buy. What does that mean? As soon as you find a property, get it under contract, whatever money was going to be made or not made, it's done right at that moment. Yeah, you get the money at the end on the sale, but you make the money on the buy. And you always have to spend 85% of your time and money on marketing, looking for the next deal, with the attitude that the next deal is always more important than the deal you have now. The rookies all screw this up. They finally get a deal, they do a deal, they make the money on a deal, but they stop the marketing. So then they reset the marketing. Eventually, they get it going again. They find a deal, they do a deal, they make some money on a deal, but they stop the marketing. So eventually, they reset it again. And then they find another deal, they do a deal, they make some money, but they stop the marketing, right? And their income goes up and down and up and down with big gaps in between. You need your income to go up, 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 up. And the only way to do that is you have to keep that pipeline continuously filled with deals. And the only way to do that is to always spend 85% of all of your time and money on marketing looking for the next deal because the next deal is always more important than the deal you have now. And hint, the deals you are looking for are not in the MLS. The MLS is the multiple listing service. It's the retail market for real estate. It's where realtors sell real estate. It's where all the people in the world compete with each other to see who will pay the most. And I hate to say it, but when you're competing against all the people in the world, some of those people are stupid. And you don't want to compete against stupid. Well, you don't want to win competing against stupid. Now, don't get me wrong, folks. I love the MLS. I absolutely adore the MLS. Why do I love and adore the MLS? Because after I buy off-market wholesale real estate, where do I then want to resell it? Yeah, on the MLS. 
It's been proven that any property put in the MLS will sell for the most that it could be possibly sold for. That's just never where you're going to find heavily discounted wholesale real estate. Let me tell you, the very best deal in the MLS would rarely be a deal that I would take a second look at. The realtor says it's 10% off, it's 20% off. I wouldn't even start looking until it's at least 30% off, right? And that's not the MLS. So finding deals. Once I realized this whole shoot match is about finding deals, then I started to systematize the process of finding deals. And over time, I developed 65 different methods to find off-market wholesale deals. Now, actually, this is not totally accurate to say I developed 65 methods. What would be more accurate is to say I found 65 things at work and I started to do those things. In fact, I need to teach you all a really important lesson, maybe the most important lesson that I'm going to teach you today. But for me to teach you this next lesson, first, I need to unteach you all something. Okay, so I got to unteach you all something. When you guys are in elementary school, if you looked over the paper next to you and you copied down the answers, that was called what? Cheating. And you're all told that cheating is what? Bad, wrong. Okay. We're not a bunch of little kids. We're not in elementary school anymore. Going forward, I need you all to unlearn that. Because going forward, guess what? Cheating is actually the shortcut. What am I saying up here? What I'm trying to say is this. There is nothing that you're trying to do. There's absolutely nothing that you're trying to figure out that I and other people haven't already done and figured out. Everything, and I mean everything, and I mean absolutely every nitty-gritty little detail of everything about this business has been completely figured out. We know what's in the soil. We know the zoning. We know the guys that write the zoning. We know the appreciation rate down to the street address across all the major metropolitan cities across the state of Texas. We've got data going backwards. We've got data going forwards. We know the exact letters to send to the exact mailing list. We know the exact words to say. We know the exact offers to make. We know exactly what objections we're going to get. We know exactly how to overcome the objections. We even know how many contracts on average we're going to get signed for every 20,000 letters we send out. Everything, and I mean everything, and I mean absolutely everything about this business is completely understood. And once I realized that everything I was trying to do and everything I was trying to figure out, other people had done and figured out, then I finally stopped trying to figure everything out and I just started to, here's that word, copy, right, copy the top 65 tested proven methods of actually, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, doing these deals. Now, some of these campaigns or methods take time. Some of these methods and campaigns take money. Uh, when you get started, you probably have more time and less money. Once you get going, you have more money and less time. I will be honest with you, I don't spend any time at all on marketing anymore. I outsource 100%. But when you're getting started, you're probably going to insource more. So what are all these different marketing methods? Well, let me give you a whole bunch of them. Uh, first set of strategies has to do with direct mail. You can buy mailing lists. Now, when you buy a mailing list, what do you do with the mailing list? Well, you can send them mail. Letters, postcards. Or you can call them. You can get phone numbers. You can text them. You can even knock on their door. Or you can do a combination of those things, which is called a multi-touch campaign. So what are some of the popular lists? Well, you can get a list of people that are late paying their property taxes, people late paying their mortgage, people that have filed for divorce, two people who are combining their income to pay a mortgage. Well, one of them's gone. Well, the one that's left is probably going to have trouble paying the mortgage by themselves. You can get a list of people who have inherited a house from somebody that passed away, People's credit scores are starting to fall. People that just got dismissed from bankruptcy, certainly a lot of financial distress there. 
you can get a non-owner occupied list. There's a list of people that own a house that they don't live in themselves. Well, technically that would be a landlord and a lot of them are what are called accidental landlords. They couldn't sell the house or they rented it or they let an ex-spouse or a friend or family member or neighbor stay in a house or they inherited a house with a tenant. They don't know anything about being a landlord. Very often, eventually, they become motivated sellers. You can get a list of people who rent to people on public assistance. You can get a code enforcement list. You know the city is already driving around issuing citations for abandoned houses, hoarder houses, deferred maintenance houses. You can get the city to give you a list of every problem property in the city. You can even get an expired listing list. There's a list of people that hired a realtor and tried to sell it, and it didn't sell. So what do we know about these people? We know 100% of these people would like to sell their house, probably now more than ever, but they probably need solutions that realtors don't offer. Well, hello, that's exactly what investors do offer. So if you send letters and postcards or phone calls or text messages to a little list of people that have problems, some of them will call you back. Those are called leads. If you make them an offer that solves their problem, we have an offer for every problem. Some of them will say yes, and those are called deals. With a website, and get leads on the internet, van is signs. There's little signs on the side of the road. We buy houses. Why do you see the sign on the side of the road? Because they work. Online ads work. Email, autoresponders, magnetic signs. Little sign on the side of your car. You buy the sign once, you get leads for the rest of your life. Door hangers. You don't want to send out postcards? Okay, for 10 cents a door, you could have somebody put your door hanger, door flyer on every door in a neighborhood. Here's one that's pretty much free. Driving for dollars. Sometimes I'm just driving around and I see a tarp on a roof. You know, they might as well be waving a big red flag. That's for a motivated seller. Please buy my house. I mean, think about this. Somebody's most valuable asset, a house, has a serious problem, a leak, and their solution to that was to go buy a $5 tarp at Home Depot. How come they didn't fix the roof? No money. Same guy's not fixing the roofs, not paying his insurance, not paying his taxes, probably not paying his mortgage. Sooner or later, an investor is going to pick up that deal. What are the other marketing strategies? Oh, wait. We interrupt this program for a special announcement. Yeah. Actually, Olivia kind of made the announcement. Um, yeah, we actually have a workshop coming up. And we actually have a special deal. We're going to get you two guys. We want you guys to be educated and uh, contributing. We're actually going to offer the workshop for free tonight. So we have a special offer. I teach this workshop myself. This is the Texas Real Estate Investing Workshop. We call it Texans, Teaching Texans, How to Invest in Texas. Practical, actionable, detailed, step-by-step -step training. We go through deeply on all the 65 market methods, the 12 strategies. We're going to talk about strategies. Uh, the closes, the exact words you say to get somebody to accept your solution to their problem, your offer, and their property. It's not intuitive. It's actually the most fun thing to teach because it's completely opposite of what most people think. How to partner, great way to get started. You don't have to, but it's a great way to get started. How to access funding. We have over a 1,000 private money lenders in this network. Thousands, and I mean thousands, and I mean thousands, of Texas' most successful real estate investors got started at this workshop, The Real Deal, Texans, teaching Texans how to invest in Texas. We even sponsor a show where every week we show somebody that's now typically a millionaire or a multimillionaire. So we're doing a very special thing tonight only. You can come to the workshop for free. So you can pick the location and date that works best for you. You can come online, or I highly recommend that you come in person if you come in person, we're not going to be packed in like sardines like we are here. We have tables, so we're going to be spread out. You bring a notebook, take notes. 
and uh, be prepared to ask a lot of questions or some combination of live and online. And if you'd like to join us, we're doing a special deal uh, to grow the network, and the network's already really big, but uh, if you'd like to come join us, you can click on that little QR code, and you can even get registered for free, so pretty good deal. Uh, that's tonight only. If you wait till tomorrow, you have to pay, so I prefer you wait till tomorrow, but if you want to take advantage of the promo, uh, do it uh, now. For you guys online, just click on the link in the comments below, and you can get registered online. Now, I will put this little QR code up later, so if you didn't catch it, don't worry. I'll, and I'll explain a little bit more about it and kind of what to expect a little bit later. But let's get back to the training. Other ways to find deals, deal finding or marketing methods. Uh, letters of intent. What is a letter of intent? A letter of intent is an offer. So the question is, who should you send an offer to? And the answer is, everybody. So I'm going to give you all your first homework assignment. Here's your homework assignment. Tomorrow, I want each of you to send 200 people an offer on their house. Yeah, I'm not kidding. You see, here's how investors think. Ready, fire, aim. You make the offer, and then you negotiate. You make the offer, and then you do your due diligence. You make the offer, and then you look for the money. You make the offer, and then... And then you think about it. You should make everyone an offer. Why not? Do you know here in Texas, every time you simply make somebody an offer, hand them a contract, make them an offer, you know you get four different options when you make somebody an offer? You might want to write them down. Option number one, you can buy a house. They might say yes. It's called taking a shot. You know what happens if you take enough shots on goal? What do you think happens? Yeah, some of them go in even if you suck. And with practice, what happens? More of them go in, because with practice, you no longer suck. So option number one, you buy a house. Option number two, you can terminate the contract. Did you know that? The Texas State Promulgated Contract gives the buyer the unilateral right to just rip it up, walk away, no harm, no foul, no risk, no penalty. Option number three, you can renegotiate the contract you know that it's much, much, much easier to renegotiate than it is to negotiate? Especially when everybody calls you back is saying they might want to sell, i.e. they're ready to negotiate. Option number four, you can actually sell the contract itself to somebody else that has money. Notice only one of those four options even required you to have any money to buy a house. Just make offers. Give yourself options. The investors that get there faster are the ones that just stumble forward. They just make offers. What the heck? Make hundreds of offers. Make everybody an offer. Take a lot of shots on goal. Business cards, FISBA, for sale by owner, cold call it. Why would somebody try to sell their own house? Maybe they're lazy. Maybe they're crazy. Maybe they need solutions realtors don't offer. Well, hello, mass media, <clears throat> past referrals, other investors. Sometimes the best way to find a deal is to get other investors to find the deal for you. By the way, do you all know what I'm doing up here right now? What do you think I am doing right now? Yeah, it's called marketing. You all impressed? I will guesstimate, and I'm going to be very conservative here, I will guesstimate, based on the number of people we have online and live, uh, very conservatively, I will partner on no less than one, two, three deals with somebody who's listening to me right now sometime over the next 12 months. 
very conservatively, average profit on a flip, 40 grand, very conservatively, my share 20. Means as a result of the presentation I'm giving right now, I should pretty easily be able to put an extra 20 plus 20 plus 20, extra $60,000 in my pocket sometime over the next 12 months as a result of the presentation I'm giving right now. Not bad. Better than a poke in the eye with a stick, wouldn't you all agree? And by the way, you can all do exactly the same thing. And I highly advise that you do. Because there's people in this room that have money that are looking for deals. There's people in this room that have deals that are looking for money. Some people want buy and hold, some people want fix and flip. Some people want short sales, some people want wholesales. Some people want Dallas, some people want Houston, some people want Austin, some people want San Antonio, some people want El Paso. All of the members of this network, and there's tens of thousands of them, by the way, are all interconnected through an online network. You know we actually meet every minute of every day, like online. And you know multiple times a day and thousands and thousands of times over the last decade, the members of this community post their deals, questions, offers, referrals, resources, back and forth over that network online. I said earlier, guys, you're not going to find your deal in the MLS. That's ridiculous. That's the retail marketplace. That's the retail pond. You need, that's the pond with the small fish. You guys need to fish in the wholesale pond. That's the pond with the big fish. So then where's the wholesale pond? You're sitting in it. Yeah, a large network of real estate investors wholesaling, horse, uh, horse trading back and forth. That's the wholesale marketplace. When you look around this room, what do you see? You see your competition, you're not looking the right way. You know what I see? Deals, leads, money, partners, opportunity. You want to make a lot of money in this business, you need to do a lot of deals. You want to do a lot of deals, you can't do them by yourself. Not a chance. You're going to have to use other people's money, other people's time, other people's resources, other people's knowledge. But once you get what we call the abundance mindset, you start to figure out you can make a lot more money. I don't mean like a little bit more money. I mean like a lot more money getting 50% of 1,000 deals and 100% of five deals. I told you I flipped 1,200 houses. I didn't do that by myself. Almost every single one of those deals was a partnership with somebody who had something they wanted from me and, and I wanted something from them. Usually somebody brought me a lead and I had the money and resources to do it, right? That's matching haves and wants and you're, you're partnering, you're collaborating for money, time, resource, leads, whatever. Realtors, let's have the talk. People always say, should I become a realtor? I'm not a realtor. Donald Trump is not a realtor. Most real estate investors are not realtors. There's nothing wrong with being a realtor. It's not going to help you in any way, shape, or form to be a real estate investor. In some ways, it will actually hinder you because realtors have to abide by realtor rules that I don't have to abide by. Right? So I can do a lot of things a realtor can't do. Right, And that's one of the reasons why I'm not a realtor. There's nothing wrong with realtors. I'm just saying, if you're wondering, like, should I get a realtor license, it will not help you if your goal is to be a real estate investor. If you want to be a realtor, be a realtor. There's nothing wrong with a realtor. It's an honorable profession. You want to be an engineer, you want to be a realtor, a bus driver, whatever, go do that. That's fine. If you want to be a real estate investor, becoming a realtor is not going to help you. Okay, In some ways, it'll hinder you. Can you do both? Absolutely, you can. But I'm going to say for all of you who are thinking of becoming real estate investors, it's not going to help you to become a realtor to do that. HUDs and REOs, real estate-owned, bank-owned properties. Another common rookie mistake. People are like, oh, bank-owned property, foreclosures, foreclosures a deal, foreclosures a deal. Yeah, probably not, no. A foreclosure is just a house being sold by a banker. Are bankers desperate motivated sellers? No. You know what a bank does when they get a house and they want to resell the house? They call a realtor. It's pretty smart. 
called an REO agent. They say, stick it on the MLS, bring me the idiot that pays the most. I don't want that to be you. And we don't buy those properties. We buy pre-foreclosures before they go back to the bank. So how do you find those? Well, fish in the wholesale marketplace, do direct marketing, off-market. Or here's another idea. Here in, Tuesday, here, here in Texas, on the first Tuesday of the month, rain, shine, holiday or not, everybody that didn't pay their mortgage gets auctioned off at the county courthouse steps. Did you know that? And you know you can get a list of properties that are going to the auction. You can go knock on their door before the auction and offer to buy the property before the auction. And very often you can get it before the auction for even less than it's going to sell at the auction. Why? Because you're not bidding against 300 other guys. That's something anybody can do, and it's even free. That was the example of Olivia's first deal. Wholesalers, let's have the talk. Let's talk about this. Okay. Wholesalers are people that find deals for you. If you've never done a real estate deal before, I will strongly advise you do not buy your first deal from a wholesaler. I can almost guarantee with about a 19 out of 20 chance that I'm right, that will end in disaster. I know I've been doing this for a long time. A rookie should never buy a property from a wholesaler. It's going to not end up well. When a wholesaler shows you a property and they say, this property is worth 100000 all fixed up. How much is the property actually going to be worth all fixed up? 80 max. When a wholesaler says, this property is going to need 20000 in repairs, what is it going to cost to repair? Okay, 40 minimum. When a wholesaler says, ooh, it's your lucky day for a $5,000 non-refundable deposit, this lucky deal can be yours. You put down that $5,000 non-refundable deposit, I can just about guarantee, with about a 19 out of 20 chance that I'm right, because I've been doing this for a long time, you will lose a lot of money well beyond the 5000 that you got started with. It is fiction, folks. Please do not believe fiction for a moment. When a wholesaler shows me a deal, I briefly look at all the numbers, and I throw the numbers in the trash. And then I run my own numbers. And the only reason I haven't looked at the numbers before I threw them in the trash, I kind of want to know how much they were lying to me when I compare it to the real numbers. So I'm going to use some strong words because I obviously feel very strongly about this. Look, it would be really, really, really stupid to ever buy real estate based on information about the real estate provided to you by the person trying to sell the real estate to you or anybody affiliated, associated, or recommended by them. Don't do that. Okay, don't. I said earlier, your first deal is your most important deal, and it is. But you know what? If you lose money on your first deal... Think about it. At the end of that deal, 100% of your real estate investing experience will have been bad, and you'll never come back for more. So just don't do that. So, like, look, um, I recommend when you do your first deal, uh, you find an off-market deal, not from a wholesaler, right? Learn, get experience. Always analyze the deal using independently sourced data. If you don't know how to do that, we will teach you how to do that or partner with somebody that knows how to do that. I don't want anybody losing money. There's no need to lose money. We're not here to gamble. If you want to gamble, go to Vegas or, or just invest in the stock market. Legalize gambling. But the problem with the stock market is insider trading is illegal. Okay, in real estate, insider trading is advised. Do not invest in real estate. Buy real estate unless you know with provable independently sourced data that the property is worth much more than you're paying for it at the time that you buy it because you make the money when you buy it. Okay, that's, that's real estate. 
Bird dogs, Craigslist, social media. Why are there so many different marketing methods? Well, would you rather fish with a hook or would you rather fish with a net? You need to fish with a net. And the reason for that is because this business is a numbers game, and now I'm going to teach you the numbers. I'm going to teach you a lesson right now that it took me two years of hard work in the trenches to figure out. So I'm going to shave two years of your learning curve right now. By 2005, uh, I was a real estate investor for two years, and I calculated my first two years, I had generated about 400 leads, looked at about 400 deals. A lead is just a name and number of somebody that might want to sell real estate, so I was looking at something every couple of days, and then I did the math. And here's what I discovered. As a rookie, on average, for every $100 I spend on paid marketing, things like direct mail, I got one qualified motivated seller lead. As a rookie, on average, for every three hours I spent on personal marketing, free marketing, things like driving for dollars, I got one qualified motivated seller lead. Then I discovered that on average, for every 20 leads I got, as a rookie, I made at least $20,000 net profit on a deal. The numbers are even better today, a lot better today, but these were my numbers as a rookie. So let me translate that for you. It means every time I drove around for 60 hours, I made at least $20,000 on a deal. Every time I sent out $2,000 in direct mail, I made at least $20,000 on a deal. Spend $2,000, make $20. Spend $2,000, make $20. Spend $4,000, make $40. Spend $8,000, make $80. Spend $16,000, make $160. Spend $32,000. You don't have to spend it all at once, by the way. Make $320,000 net profit. Are you starting to like the numbers? It took me two years to figure that out. But after two years of figuring that out, what I realized is, holy tamole, this, this whole business is just a numbers game, and now I know the numbers. And I started to think about this business in a very different way after I figured this out. I now see my whole business, like the whole thing is just a little black box. That's my business. It's a little black box. We're going to call that little black box a marketing machine. And the way that little black box works is every time I stick $100 worth of marketing in one end, Eventually, $1,000 worth of net profit pops out the other end. Now, if you had a little black box, every time you shoved a $100 bill in one end, a $1,000 bill popped out the other end, how many dollars would you stick in the box? How many would that be? Like all of them. Yeah, and I started spending money on marketing like a drunken seller because I knew. I started spending thousands of dollars a month on marketing. And then I started spending tens of thousands of dollars a month on marketing. And then I hired two full-time, six-figure guys that spend 100% of their time spending my money on marketing. And today, in some months, I spend upwards of $100,000 a month on marketing. Because once you know it's just a numbers game, and once you know the numbers, then it's just, then it's just on. It's called dial it in, and then you dial it up. Yeah, <clears throat> Sometime later, I actually wrote a book on investing in real estate. I have many different books and training programs. We're not selling any books or training programs tonight. But I will repeat something I said earlier. There's nothing you're trying to do. There's nothing you're trying to figure out that I and other people haven't done and figured out. What is the shortcut? Copy everything that's already been figured out. Okay, um, we're right in the halfway point of the presentation, a little past the halfway point. We're about to get into the strategies, arguably the most interesting thing. Uh, about the presentation. We're going to get into the mechanics of how these deals work. Uh, but if you remember at the beginning of this presentation, I said, you know, my job tonight and today is to make you guys into educated and contributing members of this community. We do want you to be contributing and educated. 
and participatory. We do these meetings all over Texas. We always have a lot of new investors that come to the meetings, and that's great. And we call the new investors tourists. There's nothing wrong with being a tourist. Like, honey, let's go check out the RIA, right? And they're just checking it out. And there's nothing wrong with that, but we figured out a long time ago, nobody actually makes any money being a tourist. Money gets made when people actually do stuff, right? Buy, sell, partner, trade, invest, loan, borrow, whatever. But I also figured out a long time ago, unfortunately, I can't turn somebody into a real estate investor in 45 minutes. If I could figure out how to sprinkle pixie dust around the room and turn everybody into real estate investors in 45 minutes, yeah, that would be awesome. I don't know how to do that. But I can, and I have, on numerous occasions, turned people into full-fledged real estate investors over a period of 24 hours. Or maybe it would be more accurate to say 24 hours spread out over three days, giving us the time to get through all the nitty-gritty details of how this business actually works. And this is why the Texas RIA sponsors the Texas Real Estate Investing Workshop. I teach this myself, and we call this Texans, teaching Texans how to invest in Texas. We go deep on all 12 strategies. We learn all the marketing methods. We all learn all of the closes. Closes are literally the precise words you say to get somebody to accept your solution to their problem, your offer on their property. So I'll give you an example. I recently said some magic words to a woman, and she just gave me her house. She even said, thank you for taking it. I didn't have to give her any money at all, right? It was a beautiful house. She even gave me the loan, the financing, everything. She just said, here, it's, it's yours. You can have it. Had a lot of equity in it. I made a fortune on that house. And she said, thank you. So he's, who's a little skeptical? I just told you, I have magic words. I say these magic words. Somebody just gives me their house. Who's, raise your hand if you're a little skeptical right now. Okay, who's not skeptical right now? Really? Man, if you're not skeptical, I'm baiting you guys. Come on, if you're not skeptical, we got a land deal in Florida we're going to talk about after class. Okay, come on. I just told you I have magic words that I can say to somebody. And by just saying these magic words, they just give me their house. They don't, they don't, I don't even have to give them money. They just give me the house. So t who's a little skeptical right now? Raise your hand. It's okay. Are you a little skeptical? I want you to be skeptical. Because in a couple minutes, I'm going to demonstrate. And when I demonstrate, you're going to be really amazed, especially if you're skeptical. But those are the closes. And they're a lot of fun. I'm going to demonstrate that in a minute. Learn how to partner. Great way to get started. Learn how to access private money. Better, cheaper, faster than any other kind of money. Thousands, thousands. Nobody can say this but me. Thousands of investors, successful, uh, launched their careers at this workshop, uh, the Texas Investing Workshop. So uh, we're doing a special tonight only, so you can come for free. So how cool is that? I'll put the QR code. I'm going to do it one more time at the end. So if you didn't get it, we're going to do it one more time at the end. Uh, you can register by going to that link. If you can't get the QR code to work, you can type in that link, texasstarterkit.com. For you guys online, just click on the link in the comments below. Pick the location and date that works best for you. And uh, you can come live or you can come online. Highly recommend you come live. Uh, but pick the date and look at it. Now, if, if none of these dates work, if you have a conflict, like, uh, like for example, if your daughter's getting married, uh, I suggest you cancel the wedding because the most important thing is going to change your life in a good way, right, and change your trajectory is this workshop. It literally is going to change your trajectory.
Um, oh, one other quick announcement. Um, how many of you are interested in commercial real estate? Raise your hand if you're interested in commercial real estate. Oh, wow. Okay, a lot more than I would have thought. This is our residential meeting. We have a whole other part of Texas RIAs that's 100% commercial. So we do residential, we do commercial. I love them all. Uh, some of you were here earlier. Uh, they're all great. I, I do active, passive, residential, or commercial. I'm like me, the only guy that is completely agnostic. Right? Most people that teach real estate, talk about real estate, they're like, no, you have to do it this way, or no, you have to do it this way. I love them all. They're, they're, they, just, they just solve different problems. But I, but I do them all, love them all, teach them all. Uh, highly encouraged to learn, learn everything, right? Why not, right? And, and, and commercial just solves different problems. Um, so this is our residential we, uh, meeting, but we actually have a commercial crash course. So if you're learning or interested in learning commercial, uh, we have a crash course coming up on September 19, 2021. It's, it's literally 90 minutes a day for three days. So 90 minutes a day for three days. You're never going to learn commercial that rapidly. I have a couple of titans of uh, real estate. Uh, George Ross is going to be on there with me. Uh, Donald Trump, the apprentice uh, uh, judge and uh, right-hand man, did the greatest real estate deal ever done. Uh, bought a building with Donald Trump for a million dollars. Turned around and made $450 million on that deal. Hugh Hilton. $18 billion commercial deals. Uh, he's going to help out a little bit. And it's a crash course, right? It's called a master class. We're going to do 90 minutes a day for three days. It's free. It's online. Uh, it's not for everybody, but for those of you that are learning or interested in learning commercial, want to get into commercial, uh, go to bigprofitslive.com or just write that down. I don't have the link here, but it's, it's, it's this name, bigprofitslive.com. You don't have to do that right now. You can do that later. That's fine. Uh, but you can register for that uh, master class if that's something you're interested in. And I know that's not everybody, but I highly recommend. Now, I do recommend, ideally, you would take residential first and commercial second. Because residential, I assume the people that come to the residential training are kind of just getting started. They may not be getting started. Maybe they're looking to get to the next level. The commercial people, I assume, have probably already been to the residential workshop first. So I would do it kind of in a one-two if you can. Okay. Um, so, and I'll put that link up one more time at the very end. So we talked about fear. Uh, we talked about finding deals, marketing. Now let's get into the strategies and the mechanics of these deals, which of course is the strategy. So which strategy? There's a lot of different real estate training and videos and, 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 uh, even workshops out there that teach real estate. Uh, you can read books and attend classes on how to do short sales, buy and hold, how to do mortgage assignments, auction options, how to do referrals, wholesaling, contracts for deeds, how to do lease options, how to do house swapping, wraparound mortgages, how to do equity partnering, and of course, how to do fix and flip. And you can certainly spend a lot of time and money on all that training and education. Uh, in fact, my wife and I have actually spent over $100,000 on training, coaching, seminars, book tapes, etc. Most of it was great. Uh, some of it was not great. It all sounded great. Uh, but I don't feel bad about spending over $100,000 on our education because we've actually made many millions of dollars on our education. Uh, but everybody always asks me, so what, where, where do I get started? What's the best strategy? And, and here's the good news. Uh, they all work. All of these strategies can make you money investing in real estate. They all work. Uh, that's the good news. The bad news is that they each only work in unique situations. Each of these strategies is actually the solution and that's how you should think about it, to a specific problem or situation. Uh, but remember what I said earlier, your job one is what? Finding the deal, finding the deal. 
So here's a brand new investor hunting for his first deal, hunting for a deal. And he gets a lead. A lead is what? The name and number of somebody that might want to sell real estate. Well, if he had got the right training, he would have learned how to help that seller solve their problem using a strategy called a wraparound mortgage. But that's not the training he got. He just went to one of those silly wholesale seminars. All he learned how to do was wholesaling. So he's looking for a wholesale deal, but he didn't find one. He found a wrap deal, but he doesn't know how to do that. So what does he do? Well, he's going to do some more marketing. Generate another lead. Now, if he only knew how to do a mortgage assignment, he could help somebody solve their problem, get himself paid, but he doesn't know how, remember, because all he learned how to do is wholesaling, still looking for a wholesale deal. Didn't find one, found a mortgage assignment, doesn't know how to do that. So he does some more marketing and generates yet another lead. Now, if he only had, knew how to do an auction option, he could solve a big problem, get a big check. But he doesn't know how to do an auction option because, once again, all he learned how to do is wholesaling and he's still looking for a wholesale deal. There's a lesson here. Are you starting to see the problem? You see, here's the problem. There's 30,000 YouTube videos that teach people how to invest in real estate. And what they pretty much all say is this. You need to get started by learning one strategy, and this is the best one. No, this is the best one. No, this is the best one. Well, whatever. You need to pick a strategy, learn that strategy, make money on that strategy. Sounds pretty good. Feels pretty good. But forgive my language when I say this. That is a completely ass-backwards way to go about this. Saying that you need to learn one strategy and make money on one strategy before you learn the other strategy, that's kind of like saying you need to go to Las Vegas and learn how to bet on one number on the roulette wheel. And after you make enough money betting over and over and over again on that one number on the roulette wheel, well, then later on you can learn how the other numbers work. Well, that's ridiculous. But yet that's how 95% of real estate investors get started investing in real estate and probably about 99% of wholesalers. So let's talk about wholesaling. There's nothing wrong with wholesaling. Wholesaling is one of the 12 strategies that I use and that I teach. In fact, frankly, it's the easiest one to teach. The problem, however, with wholesaling is I would say on average, it's the hardest one to do that on average makes the least amount of money. So when I hear somebody tell me, I wanna get started by wholesaling, Here's how my brain translates that plan. I'm going to do the hardest thing there is to do that on average makes the least amount of money. And I know from my experience, because I've been doing this for a long time, that about 99 out of 100, maybe not 100 out of 100, but about 99 out of 100 people that try to execute that plan end up giving up before they ever get going. Because if you do something that takes a lot of effort that doesn't make you a lot of money, you're going to give up before you ever get going. For example, how many of you have read the book, The Millionaire Wholesaler? That's because it's never been written. And it never will be written because it's the hardest thing to do that on average makes the least amount of money, even though there's nothing wrong with it. But I'm going to teach you what the top 5% of investors do. This is how I do it, and this is how I'm going to teach all of you how to do it. I think this is the right way to do it. And here's what I do. I bet on all of the numbers on the wheel, and then I spin the wheel a lot. And what do I mean by I bet on all the numbers? I use all 12 strategies. Why not learn all 12 strategies? Why not learn all 12 ways to fill out a contract and solve a problem? You spend time and money, it's called marketing, to get somebody with a problem to find you. If you, there's a way to help them and solve the problem and get paid, you need to help them and solve the problem and get paid. And once you know 12 strategies, these 12 strategies collectively solve every problem there is. There is no exception. Motivated sellers, non-motivated sellers, free and clear, underwater, everything. And then what do you want to do next? Spin the wheel a lot. Look at a lot of deals. Take a lot of shots on goal. That's how the top 5% of investors do it. Play to be in the top 5%.
So to do that, you got to know a lot of marketing and you got to know all the strategies. Why not? So I'm going to teach you all of the strategies. Oh, first, I'm going to tell you another story. This was my first big deal. After I was a real estate investor for just over two years, I flipped this house. I actually made $291,000 flipping this house. Pretty good profit. But the more interesting part of the story is I was actually the eighth investor at bat. So what does that mean? It means seven other real estate investors saw this deal before me and passed on the deal. How's that even possible? How could seven different real estate investors pass on a deal, on an opportunity to make almost $300,000 profit? How's that even possible? I'm going to tell you it's not just possible, it's actually typical. Let me tell you the rest of the story. First investor looks at this house and he says, uh, I'd love to buy your house, but you're in bankruptcy. I can't buy a house from bankruptcy, somebody in bankruptcy. Second investor goes into this house, says, I'd love to buy your house, but you're underwater. You owe more money than the house is worth. You can't even afford to sell me the house. Third investor goes into this house and says, well, I can help you avoid a foreclosure by doing something called a short sale, but I can't do that while you're in bankruptcy. Plus, you have a mid-construction project here, and I just don't do mid-construction projects. I walked into this house, and I said, my, oh my, oh my, you have a lot of big problems here. Big problem means what? Big opportunity. It took one, two, three different strategies to solve the guy's problem. I solved the problem. I got the check. My competition was a bunch of one-trick ponies. Most of my competitors are a bunch of one-trick ponies. 30,000 books and tapes and seminars out there teach people how to be one-trick ponies. One-trick ponies are annoying. They get in the way at times, but they don't last long. Guys, if you think you're going to find pretty houses at big discounts just hanging off of trees out there, yeah, you're smoking crack. This is what opportunity looks like. A big bundle of problems with a nice pretty bow around it. I want a house where half the house burned down. I want a house that had a meth lab that exploded in the garage. I want a house that flooded. I want a house with mold. I want a house where someone was murdered in the living room. I'm serious. You could make a killing on a murder house. I own one. How do you make a killing on a murder house? I'll give you a tip. This is more common than you think. How much do you think it costs to buy a murder house? 20 cents on the dollar. You know what everybody says when they walk by that house? That's a murder house. A year later, everybody going by that house, they pointed that house. Something bad happened in that house. A couple of years later, they walk by and they're like, somewhere around here, something bad happened. Five years later, they walk by that house, they point at that house, and what do they say? How much? <laughs> Bought a house in Austin for 80 grand. It's now worth 420. It's called a stigma. Stigmas go away, right? Stigmas go away. Just rent it out until the stigma goes away, right? But, but people don't think that way. They think problem. Oh, nobody wants it. I don't want it. There's all kinds of stigmas, floods, rivers that go up and down, lakes that go up and down. Those are all stigmas. Somebody gets shot in a bar, it's a crime scene. A few years later, you know what it is? It's a tourist attraction. <laughs> yeah. So you got to think differently. Problems are opportunities, big problems, big opportunities. I'll, I'll tell you another one. One of my students recently bought one of those $150,000 Teslas. He calls it his air car, air car, H-E-I-R, air car. Yeah, somebody died without a will. Y'all know that two out of three people don't have a will? Did you know that? Opportunity. 
Yeah, but they did have 42 errors. And everybody said, no way, man, there's no way you're going to get 42 people to agree on something. Big problem. Well, he rolled up his sleeves and it took a little work, but eventually he got 42 people to understand that a little bit of something is worth a whole lot more than a whole lot of nothing. And now he's driving around a $150,000 air car. Problems are opportunities. Big problems are big opportunities. So we need to use marketing to find the problems. There's even a list of people with the problems. And then we need to learn the strategies to solve the problems. So we've got a little more time. I'm going to teach you a couple strategies. The first strategy I'm going to teach you is wholesaling. I'd say this is the easiest one to teach. Let me teach you right now. How does this work? You simply find a property and get it under contract. How much money does it cost to get a property under contract? Nothing. Can we afford that? Yes, I think so. Now, after you get a property under contract, you have what's called an equitable interest in the property. You can actually sell that contract itself to another investor in exchange for a fee. Okay, how much is the fee? Five hundred to five thousand on a small deal, ten to twenty-five thousand on an average deal, twenty-five thousand dollars or more on a big deal. And this, my friends, is a no money, no risk strategy. I've discovered it's really hard to lose money when you're not actually spending or investing any money. And those are nine of the strategies we use are infinitely scalable because they're no money, no risk strategies. So I like to teach through case studies. When you come to the workshop, I'm going to teach you the theory, and then I'm going to teach you the story. And I'm going to tell you probably at least 100 different stories over the course of three days. Stories are real people doing real deals. That's how you really learn. Everything's theoretical until you see it actually through a story. So, for example, this is Kimberly. She came to the workshop. She had to pay for it, but she came to the workshop. And, uh, and then she, she, she rolled up her sleeve and she did her first deal. And she told me about this after it went down. Her mom was visiting her from out of town. So she's in the car with her mom. And her mom's like, Kim, where are we going? Oh, well, mom, we're going to get a house under contract. <gasps> what? Kim, are you crazy? What are you talking about? You just graduated from college. You don't have any money. You don't have any credit. You don't even have a job. What do you mean you're getting a house under contract? Don't worry, mom. I know what I'm doing. So Kim's mom watched Kim walk into this house and offer the seller $265,000 cash for his house. And he signed a contract. Now, obviously, they talked on the phone ahead of time. Obviously, he was a motivated seller. Kim then took that very contract and she posted it out to the network. You know, multiple times a day, thousands and thousands of times over the last decade, the members of this community post their deals, offers, contracts, resources, questions, referrals, money, whatever, back and forth over that network. So Kim posted this deal out to the network and several other members of the network wanted to buy that contract, that deal from Kim. And one of the other members of the RIA negotiated and paid Kim $17,000 for the contract. So Kim just sold her contract to another member of the RIA for $17,000. So now Kim is a believer. Well, actually, Kim was a believer. Now Kim's mom is a believer. So now what would Kim have done with the contract had nobody wanted to buy the contract? Then what would she have done with the contract? Ripped it up. No harm, no foul, no penalty, no risk, whatever. No problem. But she didn't need to, did she? So then who bought the contract? Another member of the RIA by the name of Tatiana. Let me tell you about Tatiana. I know her very well. Tatiana negotiated and paid Kim $17,000 for the contract. It then became Tatiana's contract. Crossed Kim's name out as a buyer, wrote her name in, or really her company's name in. Tatiana then bought the house for $265,000 cash. She had the cash. She kept it for six months as a month-to-month -month rental. 
After the tennis moved out, she did a renovation, a small addition. And then after 12 months, she sold it. When she sold it, she made nearly $100,000 of net profit. And she only had to pay long-term capital gains taxes, no income taxes. Do you think Tatiana was pretty happy that Kim found that deal for her? What do you think? You bet. So let's see what we got here. By a show of hands, by a show of hands, how many of you are cash buyers? Wave your hand around if you're a cash buyer. Hmm. Okay, let me ask a different question. Um, how much cash do you have to have to make a cash offer? Zero. Well, then how much cash do you have to have to then be a cash buyer? Zero. You don't have to have any cash to make a cash offer. You don't have to have any cash to be a cash buyer. You just need to know people with cash. So let me ask you another question. Does anybody here know somebody that you could call if you got a smoking hot deal to buy a property for a big discount for cash? Does anybody know such a person? For example, who? Yeah, what do you think I'm doing up here? You know, and in fairness, in his fairness, there's hundreds of guys just like me all over that network that would be pleased as punch, right? If you guys got out there, got some properties under contract, pitch them back to the group. You don't have to, but that's why we want you. That's why we'll need you. That's why we will even train you on how to be educated and contributing members of this community. But I see I have my work cut out for me here because we got some challenges going on with some self-limiting beliefs. So let me try this again. By a show of hands, how many of you are cash buyers? How many of you are cash buyers? Oh, fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> I love talking to a room full of cash buyers. And the network, think about it, the network instantly puts people with cash in connection with people with deals. Instantly puts people with deals in connection with people with cash. Welcome to the wholesale marketplace. All right, our next strategy is a bit more complicated and a bit more interesting. It is called buying a property subject to the mortgage. This is buying real estate with no money and with no credit. I am a nationally recognized expert at teaching this strategy. I might possibly be the national expert, but I'm certainly a widely recognized expert who's taught tens of thousands of people how to do this. And if you've heard of this, here in Texas, there's a pretty good chance whoever told you about it learned it from me or learned it from somebody who learned it from me. So what does this mean and how does this work? How does buying real estate actually work? When somebody buys real estate, how does that work? They go to a title company and they sign a stack of documents. Most of the documents are disclaimers and disclosures, but once you get past all of those, there's two documents that are at the closing that make the closing actually happen. The two documents that make something happen are the deed and the note. The deed and the note. Notice these are two separate instruments, a deed and a note. Whosever name goes on the deed, that's who owns the house. That's how you transfer ownership. Whosever name goes on the note, that's who's responsible for the mortgage. That's how you assign debt, a deed and a note. Now, normally it's the same guy on both. A guy buys a house, his name is on the deed, his name is on the note, he owns a house, and he's responsible for the mortgage. That's normal. He moves into the house. It's his house. And all the rights and privileges and benefits and responsibilities of home ownership, they're all his. It's his house. At the end of the month, he gets a statement from the bank that says, you owe us $1,000 for your mortgage. And he writes the bank a check for $1,000. Bank's happy. He's happy. Everybody's happy. That's how it works. 
And then the guy goes on to get married. And well, you know, Texas is a community property state, so when the guy gets married, the wife is added to the deed. Now there's two names on the deed. You look at the tax records, you've got two names, his and hers. But his name is still the only name on the note. Especially somebody who's taken on or off the deed, that in no way, shape, or form affects the note. And then time goes on, and things don't work out, and they get a divorce. And in their situation, the wife gets the house in the divorce. So now something kind of interesting has happened. Now her name is the only name left on the deed, but his name is still the only name on the note. So the question is, as long as he keeps sending the bank a check every month, or she starts sending the bank a check every month, or a tenant, or a property manager, a neighbor, investor, a friend, or family member, or somebody sends the bank a check every month, the question is, does the bank actually care who wrote the check? No. There's some dude at the bank opening envelopes, like, oh, we got a check. It came on time for the right amount. It cleared. We're good. So if you're listening to my story so far, I just told you all a story about a woman, about a spouse, about a person that was able to acquire real estate even with no money and with no credit. There it is, proof that somebody can acquire money, real estate, with no money and no credit. I told you. All right. Here's the really, really good part. You can all do exactly the same thing, and you don't have to get married to do it. Because here in Texas, here's the deal. Anybody, any of you, anybody can go up to any homeowner that has any loan, any mortgage from any lender on any house at any time, and you can make them a deal. And the offer any of you can make with any homeowner that has any mortgage from any lender from on any house at any time is this. Here's the offer. I will make the payments on your mortgage for you going forward, or I will find somebody to make the payments on your mortgage for you going forward. What's the catch? The catch is you simply have to hand the deed, which is ownership of the property to me. It's called buying a property subject to the existing mortgage. You can do this with any homeowner that has any loan from any lender in any house at any time. And the only person on the planet that actually has to agree to this transaction is the person whose name is on the deed, not the bank. The bank actually has no say in this transaction. There are federal laws regulating these transactions. Anybody can hand their deed to anybody they want. Anybody can pay somebody else's mortgage if they want to. So if you're listening to me closely, here's what you just heard me say. You can buy any house in Texas from any homeowner in Texas that has any loan from any lender, and you can buy that person's house at any time, and you can even buy that person's house even with no money and even with no credit by simply offering to take over the payment on their mortgage or even offering to find somebody to take over the payment on their mortgage in exchange for them simply handing the deed, which is ownership of the property to you, while buying a property subject to the existing mortgage. And once you learn how to buy real estate with no money and with no credit, then how many houses can you buy? All of them. It's a very scalable process. Look, when somebody's in financial distress, they got a house and they got a mortgage, right? They got a house and they got a mortgage. Is the house the problem or is the mortgage the problem? You know, owning a house is never a problem. Being responsible for a mortgage, that can be a big problem when you're in financial distress. If you solve the big problem by taking over the payments or finding somebody to take over the payments in exchange for solving the big problem, you ask them to transfer the deed, which is ownership of the property to you. So this is simply agreeing to take over the mortgage payments on a loan in exchange for them handing the deed, which is ownership to you. Now, when somebody hands you their deed, you now own the property. You can do whatever you want with it. You can renovate it and retail sell it to somebody else. You can wrap it. You can assign it. 
You can keep it as a rental property. You can keep it as your homestead if you'd like. I've helped many of my friends here in Texas buy their very own homestead with this little or no money, no credit needed strategy. How much money can you make? Well, there's a lot of ways you will see to make a lot of money once you learn how to buy houses with no money and no credit. Small flip, at least $10,000. That's pretty much at the very lowest end of the scale. And this is another little or no money, little or no risk strategy. Let me show you an example of a deal. This is one of the $30 million worth of houses that I own here in Texas. And I said earlier, man, if I wanted to buy $30 million worth of houses traditionally, think about it. I'd have to put down 20% every time I bought a house. I'd have to be a multi, multi, multi-millionaire just in order to become a millionaire. Well, I wasn't a multi-millionaire when I started investing in real estate. So how in the world was I able to buy $30 million worth of houses? Well, most of them were bought using this strategy, buying a property subject to, including this one. So let me tell you about this one. A woman owned this house worth $150,000. She owned $110,000 on her mortgage. So this house has $40,000 of equity. She had the house rented out for $1,600 a month rent. The mortgage payment, including tax and insurance, is $1,100 a month. So this house is generating uh, $500 a month of gross cash flow. Should have, could have, and would have been a perfect rental property, except for one major problem. This woman had lost her job. She was continuing to collect the rent because she was living off of the rent, but she stopped paying the mortgage. Four days before the first Tuesday of the month, when the bank was going to foreclose on her, I knocked on her door. Hello, can I help you? I am here to help you. But what can you do? There's no time. They're going to foreclose on me. How can you help? They're going to foreclose on me. There's no time. What can you do? Here's what I can do. I can stop the foreclosure. I can reinstate your loan. I can catch up your mortgage payments. I can make your mortgage payments for you going forward. I can even repair all your credit. Well, that's amazing. What's the catch? You simply have to hand the deed, which is ownership of the property to me. And she said, deal. Why in the world did she say deal? Because in four days, she's losing the house. That was a done deal. But she wasn't just going to lose the house. People think a foreclosure is the end of their problem. No, it's not. And this is what I told you. A foreclosure is not the end of your problem. A foreclosure is the beginning of a 10-year nightmare that starts with the sheriff and his deputies dragging you and your family and all your possessions to the curb in front of your friends and neighbors. It's 10 years of potentially dealing with the IRS garnishing your wages to collect an 1099 that could be issued against you for up to the full value of the loan. It's 10 years of dealing with the lender potentially filing a deficiency judgment lawsuit against you for up to the full value of the home. It's 10 years of dealing with creditors calling you, hounding you day and night to collect on the judgment from the lawsuit. It's 10 years of not being able to buy another home, not being able to buy a car, not being able to get a credit card, not being able to open certain bank accounts or even rent certain apartments, you can get certain jobs. In other words, it's a bullet to the head and nobody wants all that. And I stopped all of that from happening to her. Those are all things that could happen to somebody in foreclosure. And she was thrilled. And the bank was thrilled. They didn't want that house back. They just wanted their money. So I gave them their money. And the tenants were thrilled. They didn't want to get kicked out of the house. They just wanted to keep renting the house. So I let them keep renting it for me. But mostly I was thrilled. Because for $4,500, which is what it cost me to reinstate that loan, I now own 
this $150,000 house came with a loan, came with $40,000 of equity, all mine, came with tenants, paying me $1,600 a month rent. After I pay the bank $1,100, I put $500 back in my pocket. And if you think that's cool, my wife and I own $30 million worth of these rental properties all across the state of Texas. Some of them took small amounts of money like this. Most of them honestly took more money than this, but then some of them took absolutely no money at all. So how many of you would like me to walk you step by step by step through how to do this deal? Who would like me to walk you? Okay, we're all out of time. <laughs> we're almost out of time. Okay, we're, we're going to wrap this up. I'm, I'm getting tired. You guys are getting tired. Okay, let, but, but I'll finish. I'll finish. I, I do love this deal. But I bet you don't know why I love this so much. Some of you are like, oh, you're making 500 a month. Yeah, that's not it. $500 is not going to affect my life or my lifestyle in the slightest amount. What I love about this is by doing this over and over and over again, over the last uh, you know, 30 or 20 years, uh, my wife now owned $30 million for the property. In fact, just over the last three years, my portfolio went up in value by more than 30%. In other words, just over the last three years, my wife and I became more than $10 million richer from having done this thing over and over again, this thing that required little or no money and no credit. That's what I love about this. This is the strategy that allows anybody, regardless of money or credit, to become multi, multi, multi-millionaires. That's what I love about this. And once I realized the wealth potential of this strategy, I actually made one additional tweak to this strategy. I no longer buy these houses in my name. In fact, I no longer buy these houses in my company's name. Now when I buy these houses, I prefer to buy them in my IRA. How many of you are aware that you could do this transaction with your IRA? You know, you can actually do this transaction with your IRA. In fact, one of the co-sponsors of the Texas RIAs is a company based right here in Texas, Quest Trust IRA. Come to the workshop, we'll set it up so you can do this with your IRA. So what happens when my IRA does this deal? Well, my IRA issues the $4,500 reinstatement fee to the bank, and the deed title ownership of the property transfers to my IRA. Every month, the property manager deposits $1,600 of rent into the IRA, Every month, the IRA issues a check, $1,100 back to the bank to pay the mortgage, and $500 rolls back into the IRA. But that's not the good part. Then what's the good part? Over the next 25 years, this property will double in value, and it'll double again. And even at very conservative appreciation rates, it'll almost double a third time. Something interesting happens to the loan on this property over the next 25 years. What happens to the loan? It gets paid off by the tenants. Thank you very much, tenants. In other words, every time my IRA does this deal, my IRA ultimately ends up owning an asset worth about a million bucks that by then I own free and clear. And because my IRA, by the way, is also a Roth IRA, that means when I sell this asset in retirement, 100% of the proceeds are tax-free. Did you all just see what I did? I just showed you how to turn a $4,500 IRA into $1 million tax-free doing one deal one time. Helping a woman out of a horrible situation. Helping a bank not take a property back they didn't want back. Helping tenants stay in a property they wanted to stay in. All that just doing it once. 
The average retired person has a net worth at retirement of 62,000 bucks. It's pathetic. If you just did this one deal, one time, you'll, you'll be 25 times richer than the average retired person just doing this once. But I'll tell you something else I've observed. I've never seen somebody do this deal once. 95% of the people will never do this deal. And 100% of the people that do it once, then what do they do? Then they do it again. And then what do they do? And then they do it again and again and again. And like 20 years later, they're standing behind a podium talking about all the times they did it. So one last time, how many of you would like me to walk you step by step by step through how to do this deal? All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk you step by step through how to find it, how to get it under contract, which contract to use, which attorney and title company to close it at, and how to go through all the steps, operational step by step by step, for how to do this deal. So I'm going to walk you through all of those details. But it's going to take about three days, so we're going to have to finish at the workshop. And I'm not going to teach you just that one strategy. you got to admit that's pretty cool. I'm going to teach you the other 11 strategies, all 65 ways to find the deals. I'm going to teach you the close. I just taught you your first close. That was literally called the atomic bomb close. Those were literally the words I said when I explained the situation. She literally handed me her deed and she said, thank you. And she was grateful. I gave her it an out a better alternative to what was going to happen to her. People will always choose their best option, even if it's their least worst option. You're going to learn how to access funding, how to access partners. Thousands, and I mean thousands, of successful investors launch their career, Texans teaching Texans uh, how to invest in Texas. So to get it, you get the starter kit. Now, let me tell you about the starter kit for a second. When you register for the workshop, you get a bunch of goodies. Obviously, you get to come to the workshop, and we're doing it tonight only for free. So if you do it right now, you get it for free. I recommend that, or do it tomorrow and pay. I recommend that. Um, you also get some other goodies in the starter kit. There's a training program. There's a Texas Money Resource Guide that you get. Um, there's also a business plan generator. You fill out a little multiple-choice uh, survey, and then you push a button, it's going to spit out a business plan. Every one of you is different, full-time, part-time, active, passive, money, time, whatever. You kind of tell it what you're trying to accomplish. You push a button, and it's going to spit out a personalized business plan for you. And then you come to the workshop, and we'll teach you how to implement the plan. And then the last step of registering, go all the way to the end, the last step of registering, it will invite you to join the online moderated Facebook group. Do that. That's where you can interact with me thousands of buyers, that's where you get money, deals, resources, etc. Pick the location that works best for you. Uh, you can come live or uh, online. So let's do a little survey of the audience. How many of you would like to come and attend live? Who would like to come and attend live? Okay, who would like to attend online? Okay, who would not like to attend at all? Well, I'm doing pretty good. Okay, so great. Um, so I recommend live if you can. Uh, it's just, you know, more personable, interactive, whatever. If you come online, uh, pay attention, turn on your camera. Uh, whether you come live or live, bring a notebook. You got a notebook up there. You're going to fill that entire notebook with notes. So don't just expect to like memorize this. Be prepared to ask questions. I'm going to tell everybody I'm not there to entertain you. If you want to be entertained, I suggest you don't come to the workshop. Just watch a Netflix marathon all weekend. You probably polish off five seasons, okay? But if you want to change your life, come, take notes, ask questions, uh, and, and be prepared to learn some truly life-changing skills.
I mean, I'm, and I'm serious about that. I mean, literally every week we interview somebody whose life has been totally transformed from this experience. Uh, for those of you interested in commercial, that Big Profits Live thing is something you might want to do. Uh, that's a little free commercial crash course. Uh, and you can just take a picture of the link. I'll put this up one more time. I'm going to uh, answer a few questions first, though. Um, let's see. Questions. Oh, um, people always ask, can I get copies of your presentation? You can. We post them on our social media. Just look for Texas Rias. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. We have a YouTube channel also with hundreds of videos. Uh, so go check it out. Um, the starter kit, I think I went through all the details. Uh, the presentation starts every morning. Uh, from 8.30 to 9, we're going to be telling stories, asking questions, and answering questions. I start talking at 9 sharp, and I will continue all day long. It's all me all day for three days. I'm going to go late Friday, late Saturday. We're going to end early Sunday. How late will we go? I don't know. It kind of depends on you. I'm going to guess probably 7.30, maybe even later, okay, because we're going to go until all the questions are answered. Uh, I'm even going to call some people in the middle of the workshop and we're going to do a little impromptu property tour. I'm going to have people walking through houses, tell you how they found the house, negotiated the house. You know, show me somebody that can point to somebody every week and say, hey, show me the, 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 the deal you're working on. Uh, so that'll be fun as well. Um, and uh, late Friday, late Saturday, early Sunday. So a few questions. I also take some questions from the audience, by the way. How much experience do I need to do this? Uh, you know, 75% of the people that come are newbies just getting started. 25% of the people that come are already experienced, but they're coming to learn some of the advanced stuff that only we teach. Can I bring my significant other? Highly recommend you do. In fact, I recommend you drag them by force if necessary. And I'll tell you why. Here's what's going to happen. You know, I'm going to teach you how to go do this. And then you're going to go home and you're going to say, honey, we're buying a house. And if Honey was not at the workshop, what's Honey going to say? What are you, crazy? Yeah, trust me. I can't tell you how many stories of people who weren't even interested that I got them interested. I'm pretty sure that when Olivia was sitting in these seats, she was actually on a date. She had no interest in real estate. And, and it's completely transformed her life. So, but at the very least, by simply getting them exposed to it, they're going to be much more supportive. Uh, how do I know this is the real deal? My advice is don't ask me. Uh, ask somebody who's done it already. In fact, I invite everybody that comes to one of my workshops to give me feedback. And I don't mean like some online forum. I mean, you can, don't trust what you read on the internet, handwritten. We actually scan every single feedback form from every person I train. We post them on the internet no matter what anybody says. Thousands of them. Why would I do that? Go look for yourself. And I'll tell you what you're going to find. 99 out of 100 is all says the same thing. Oh my God, this was literally an unexpected, life-changing experience. I mean, literally life-changing experience. And you don't believe me, go look at thousands of reviews. Uh, where do I get my tickets? Just register for the workshop. What if I want more help? The last step of registering is to join the online moderated Facebook group. And that's where you can interact with me and all the other members of the community. Uh, so that's basically it. Uh, and um, I'll put the link up one more time. And uh, if you're online, click on the link in the comment below. And with that, I have a few minutes to take any questions. Do we have any questions in the audience? And hold on just a second while we're doing this. Texas's largest real estate investor association at TexasStarterKit.com. If you like today's episode, please subscribe, comment, 
share with other investors, or join us directly at texasstarterkit.com.